Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Uh, and we're not going to turn this into a baseball podcast, but I'm obsessed with analytics and the whole Moneyball aspect of um, baseball and sports in general. And maybe we'll do an episode on that, maybe. teasing for the future. Maybe. Because there's something there about analytics and, and, and restaurants and kitchen work that's not been tapped into. But we'll save it for a geekier moment. Although today's episode is pretty geeky. Pretty geeky. Yeah. Pretty, pretty nerdy. Uh, pretty nerdy. <laughs> Grant Ackett's is here. Yeah. You mentioned that it was the first episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned to you before that... Um Sometimes on the on your Instagram or on the Starving for Pod Instagram, we will tease like, oh, we were just hanging out with this guy or, oh, what do you think about getting this guy on as a guest or this gal or whatever? And um, this is the first one where you, you posted a picture of it and I think I reposted it, um, at least on stories. And we've had people asking, like, when is Grant's podcast coming? Like, they're getting impatient. I think you're right, yeah, and, because we put the picture up early. Yeah. And it was also one of these things where um, we put the picture up, and of course I was going to take a picture with Grant. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while, and he's, you know, uh, all sorts of uh, fabulous and one of the world's best chefs. Yeah. Um, but then he put the picture up first. Right. Which kind of blew me away and also yeah. kind of exploded our own internet. Yeah. So then we... Worlds collide. Right. right. And then we were like, okay, this podcast coming up. And you're right, people have been DMing us. Totally. Uh, like all asking over for it. when this episode and it's coming, is coming, but you know, like we already had some episodes banked that we wanted to get through. We had some some things we needed to put out, and and um, well, I mean, greatness takes time, guys. That's well, yeah, <laughs> and we'll probably get into that a little bit with Grant, but um, uh, yeah, we kind of go in chronological order, right? So, I mean, yeah, generally much. speaking, there are some episodes that might you know fall out of place, but generally they, they go in order. We were in Chicago. We were lucky enough that Grant uh, agreed to do this, and you ran there. Like always, yes. And you like, oh, and you and you mm, showed up with a, with, with a podcast bag full of like broken pieces, right? I did, <laughs> right. That. So like, uh, you know, I show up to Alinea, and it's um, you know, all like it's like going to church, basically, right? Yeah. Or like stepping into a, a stadium, a, yeah, chapel. that you really yeah. love. It's right. yeah, chapel esque. And I ran there five miles, and with all the podcast gear, and some of it like was rattling in my bag, and like nuts and bolts were coming unscrewed. So it was not an, an, a great start as I was sort of setting up the gear in like one of their upstairs dining rooms. Yeah. We'll remember this for when we do Amazing Race Podcasters Edition. Yeah. That you got to run carefully. With yeah. It. Or we have to choose better gear. We're yeah. going to have to figure out something with our yeah. gear. I um, also got a lot of heat because I ran there in my shorts and then took a picture with Grant in the kitchen in my shorts. And oh, yeah. I got all sorts got of all flame. Sorts fire. Of heat from all sorts not of angles fire. too. Like you got, you got everybody. Just like people that I would be, I wouldn't be surprised that they'd have a problem with it? Yeah, mostly like chefs I don't know, I think. Yeah, well, um, I mean, that's always... I also asked, and I, ask. I just want to put this to bed. I just want to put this to bed. I showed up at the front door and was like, hey, I just ran here. Uh, I feel a little bit weird if I'm in shorts. I know you guys aren't open, and I don't know where we're going to be. Is that right. okay? You weren't eating there. Right, that's, I think that's, that's what I happened. That's, I think, what, what happened. I think yeah. that's what happened. I think people thought like I was at some sort of like lunch tasting or something. All right. Uh, it, was, or it was late morning. Yeah. And uh, I think that was the m- main thing. But all sorts of people, from Eli to Casey Thompson yeah. to Michelin-starred chefs I've never met, were like, oh, yeah. way to get dressed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way to impress. That's right. Uh, Casey was still just all riled up from her Pringles. She game, was. So. I think she was just on that sort of totally. elitist sort of podium maybe from yeah. eating all sorts of caviar wherever she Instagram. wants now she's not even now, now it's not even potato chips yeah. it's just like 
just in palms of people's hands on crackers, <laughs> potato chips. It's all sorts of crazy. She was in Juniper and Ivy the other day. She was. That's yeah, right. You told me. A couple me. days ago. That's awesome. Uh, and Crack Shack. Such actually. a nice family, that Top Shack. It's kind family. of amazing. It is a, it is a good fam. Yeah. This was a nice re- reunion of sorts, too, because right. I worked with Grant a long time ago at the Which French Laundry. Probably some people don't know. Uh, probably, yeah. I, um, Unless they have, what is it, Grant's book where the picture's there? Grant's got well, I, Life on the Line or one of right. these sort of books where yeah. there is a picture of Grant and I in Hawaii with Thomas yeah. Keller Doing and Stephen Durfee. Shaka, I think, right? Uh, yeah, chubby blaze with the curly... Like, not uh, your chubbiest. Not much, not nowhere like, near. On the way. Pu- prepubescent chubby blaze. Yes, yeah. this, I was on my, not, not at my high heaviest, but also not at my lightest. Yeah. Uh, but we did work together, so it was an interesting reunion, and... I always think, and this I think is everyone can relate to, whether it's family members or like, you ever like run into an old friend from like elementary school or junior high and like you haven't seen them in 20 years? Yeah. You don't know which way like the branch of life is going to take you. Sure, right. Right? And like, you know, Grant pretty much just kept climbing that straight just tree trunk to evolved, heaven, right? Evolved or just, like third sets of legs and like double sets of eyes and like evolved. Uh, yeah, he just like, up, like was like, I'm going to go straight creature. like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to skip this realm and go straight to the realm of gods yeah. and stayed on that sort of fine dining path and just climbed this, you know, I mean, staircase all the way to the top. He's won every sort of award. He's beat cancer. Yeah. I mean, lots of really it's interesting things story. about him. Amazing yeah. story. But also, he doesn't, you know, and, and in the sort of vein of like a Thomas Keller as well, doesn't do a ton of media. I mean, even in the podcast world, it's yeah, tough to you find were, stuff. You were surprised that he agreed. And not, Super not because of, of just because of the lack of media that or the, the, the lesser amounts that he does, right? Right. I, I mean, and as most and people, busy. as we saw probably right. with Sang Yoon last week, he, he probably had no idea like what, what our podcast is really about, <laughs> uh, that we don't talk too much about food. Although, of course, this one definitely gets into, yeah. uh, you know, sort of Grant's world. Right. Uh, but I was surprised and I, I, I felt like there was a, um, I'm not saying we had a moment. <laughs> I'm saying that, um, yeah, there was this sort of like... Um, he was giving is a good way to say it. Like he was giving, like he put that picture up, right? Right. Like yes. he let us into his kitchen. Yeah. 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 Very um, welcoming. Um, and yeah, without amazing. having seen him in a while, I was, I was surprised because I think when you get to that level, um, you, you sort of are, you're like a little bit isolated. Yeah. Right. A three yeah. Michelin star level three Michelin and everything star, that you do, 50, all that stuff. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything sure. you do is under a microscope. Everything has to be great. Literally could be even right. like I served mean, under a microscope. That, that's true. That might, that <laughs> might be a course, which was also, Thank you. Well, and again, without spoiling it, you helped me create the game that we play with Grant Agates. Now, of course, I uh, did. Well, but, first of all, I mean, I, I, it's probably my heaviest work in the podcast is, is game creation. Game. We got to get back to. to <laughs> I don't know if that's like a, a brag or not, but <laughs> some of them have been good. Like a, uh, Rick a, Bayless comes to mind, another Chicago chef. But uh, the Grant game is pretty cool yeah. because I think he his answers were totally different than that all was the funny. answers because we, we, we talked through them. We kind we of expected. we we kind of char- charted it out and and talked about what we thought he'd answer and how that could lead to the next question or not and. That was pretty funny that he went pretty opposite on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so big episode upcoming, of course, Grand Ackets. And then, uh, well, the day before it's released, I'm heading to New York to uh, film a segment for Good Morning America. Yeah. So welcome. Good Morning America viewers. Yeah. Yeah. If you, that's right. If you tuned in and you saw Richard on there and you heard about our amazing podcast. And you saw on the lower third, host of Starving for Attention. Yeah. Welcome. Um, welcome. And uh, that's a good episode. So we're actually hoping that this sort of breaks. <laughs> breaks. Let's be honest. We're hoping that... Good Morning America on Monday, and then the Grant Ackett's episode on Tuesday is going to open up two different um, fanships, Vortexes. hopefully. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm Got interested it. to see how, how, how we're going to climb on the charts, which would be really nice. Um, because the podcast has been doing pretty well, and it's always good yeah. to see, see sort of sort of some Tag growth. a friend. Tell a neighbor. 
please yeah. tag two friends yeah. um and uh you know i like the fact that we did that giveaway too we should yeah we should join us doing. on a, a starving four the number four pod on instagram and uh yeah we got a couple more giveaway giveaways coming up because we have amazing chef friends and family and restaurants and things that want to give so join us Hey guys, listen, you know that uh, the Analog Advanced Home Cookware Set combines performance with convenience for the ultimate weeknight win. That's right. Uh, the Blaze household has got us uh, cooking all sorts of things in this new, improved, and exciting, beloved collection, the Analog Advanced Home Set. Uh, it's got that nonstick stain-proof exterior for easy cleanup. Uh, it's been getting tons of use at breakfast where you know everyone likes eggs that slide right out of the pan. That's what's happening with the Analon Advanced Home Set, for sure. Jasmine's at home right now, I'm sure, cooking some kale or caramelizing some Brussels sprouts or probably making some butternut squash soup. So we're using the Advanced Home Cookware, and uh, we have experienced the convenience factor for ourselves. It's great for everyday cooking, and uh, it's the pan that I reach for night after night, uh, certainly most recently. So this is what you got to do. Analon Advanced Home Cookware, it's new. There are special deals to celebrate the special launch, like 50 dollars off the 11 piece set you can shop in store and online at nation real re- retailers like bed bath and beyond and macy's or visit analon.com for more information and you can cook your eggs and brussels sprouts and butternut squash soup in your analon collection now as well 11 piece set 50 bucks off you got to go do it go to bed bath and beyond or macy's uh right now or go to analon.com okay um back to what i was saying grant ackett's all sorts of amazing and he's coming up right here. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me. Yeah, of course. This is kind kind of amazing. We've been sort of, uh, you know, I've been I've been cyber stalking you for years. I mean, <laughs> you, you know that since last we met, but yeah. uh, for many years. So thanks for taking your time hanging of out course. with us in Alinea. My pleasure. Which um, I'm going to start with this really uh, something I think you'll understand, but very few people would understand. Okay. So I ran three miles here. Uh-huh. And I'm getting here, and like I'm listening to your JJ Reddick podcast. Okay. Right to just. Get your podcast vibes, sure. which was an amazing podcast that we have to send everyone over to, to get a lot of sort of like a little bit of your origin story too, which we're not right. going to get into at all here. Okay. Um, but I'm walking here and I'm like, what is this feeling that is in my stomach, right? I'm like, what is this? Okay. Like, I'm about to go hang out with Grant. You're one of the best chefs in the world. I have so much respect for you. We know each other. Mm-hmm. I like doing my job well. You like doing your job well. So there's all these feelings. And then it hits me that like, it's the feeling of walking up to a linea. Uh-huh. It's the same feeling that I had when I first walked up to the French Laundry, okay. when I first stumbled upon El Bulli. Right. My first like, big restaurant job was Oriole in New York City. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. And that's an incredible compliment. So thank oh you Oh, my God. That. But I, I mean, and, it wasn't, and, it's, and it's totally something that just like, it just happened. You know, like I'm walking, I'm like, and you know, I know you're all about memory, right? And I'm mm-hmm. listening to you on your podcast talking about nostalgia and all these things that as chefs we think about. But then I'm like, wow, like the, the, the place itself, right? Like the stature of the building, right? Of right. the restaurant is bringing that feeling. No, no disrespect to you. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, and it's not just, I'm sorry to wax about this, but it's also not just like, oh, being in Yankee Stadium or being uh-huh. in Fenway Park when you're a Red Sox man. It's the feeling of playing for the Yankees uh-huh. in Yankee Stadium. I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it. Like I'm, I'm not staging today, just to be clear. <laughs> um, although I take you up on the offer. But like, you you probably haven't had that feeling in you know a I, long time. I have actually. Oh wow! And every time I eat at Per Se or the French Laundry, even to this day, wow, it's so weird to be nervous 
prior to just eating. Something that we do multiple times a day throughout our lives. Right. But somehow you get you get a little pit in your stomach, you know? Right. Um, Elbowly was the same way. I think there's that element of expectation and anticipation and like you're saying the the history or aura that exudes certain restaurants for different reasons you know, right the, the people uh if you've never worked there the people that had come through those kitchens and it's pretty incredible yeah now i mean as like someone who's going to work there mm-hmm. i kind of understand it like sure. from just like that it's my first day right because all of these experiences i'm i'm mentioning to you are, were kind of for me like first day of work experiences as yep. well which i think everyone can relate to yep but i i really haven't had that feeling like until today where it was like, okay, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to work with you, but like, it's a different feeling. Right. But like to have that match those sort of first day of work feelings right. was also just incredible for me because you, and I said it to your staff at the door. Like I, I came in and I was, it's the only time ever I've walked in a place and I'm like, I, should I have pants on? Do I have to take, <laughs> do I have to take my shoes off? Right. Uh, I mean, and, and they were quick to be like, we understand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is something we deal with often. Yeah. Um, and I think you've talked about how do you alleviate that sort of pressure from the guest. Right. And, it, and it's just through genuine hospitality. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of things that we do very intentionally with food. Uh, right. For instance, we, we just launched our linear retrospective menu um, right. at Next, our other restaurant, one of our other restaurants. And I was explaining to the front of the house team down there how to describe the very opening Amuse, which is PB&J. Right. And a cl- by the way, a Grand Ackett's absolute signature classic at this point. I, you know, we haven't. It's Freebird. <laughs> it's Freebird. <laughs> so we haven't done it in years. Um, but they were being very technical mm. in our friends and family and practices. They were, you know, this is a California Thompson seedless grape that's been peeled and wrapped in this artisan baguette. And I'm like, guys. You're making it pretentious. The entire purpose of that was to immediately disfuse any pretense to mm, the guest. Right. Have them laugh the very first bite. It's an icebreaker. Right. Right? Uh, like, I mean, somewhat obviously, right? Because yeah. it's a childhood favorite. It's, it conjures up all those, all those memories for a lot of people. And uh, that was the purpose of that. So we try to disfuse that. You know, that feeling of nervousness and, and tense, you know, are they going to be too cerebral with this? Right. Are they, they going to be too full of themselves? Mm. So you make fun of yourself. But at the same know? time, without sort of like having the, oh, they're just a bunch of hipsters that do whatever they want, right? Because you have to, I mean, with the stars and the accolades, there's a balance of formality always that, that exists. Correct. I mean, we, first and foremost, you know... We've always said the food has to be delicious. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you manipulate it and play with it and use all the toys. Um, Which has, seems has it's to obvious for us because we yeah. cook for a living. Right. But not obvious to the, uh, you know, the, 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 the hater, basically. And especially because of the stylistic genre that we have cooked and were brought up in. The quote-unquote molecular gastronomy. Right. It's really easy for people to go... Oh, this is going to be high fluent and pretentious and sciency, and I'm not going to get it. And so we try to 
you know, dispel yeah, them. There's always the two things, right? The one is the, and I've, I've heard you talk about this, like, well, is it worth the cost, right? right. Which is something that we don't have to get into, but like, right. that's one thing you always have to fight. And then I think for your style of food here at Alinea specifically um, is art versus food. Yeah. The fact is it can be both. It can be both. And, it, and, 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 and I agree with you. It has to be both. Right. 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 Um, and the, the maybe one out of ten people at a table, there's one person there who just really wants to at some point say, this is art. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's food, but it's art. Right. right at, some, right. at some point in a meal or whatever. Which, right. Which then again, with that, when that's being said, it makes it art auto, automatically. Right. <laughs> because there's some sort of like commentary behind it. But there's always that emotional component that I think also really drives it into that artistic definition. Right. Is that what it, it's, it's the, it is the sort of like connection to someone like nostalgia or memory or emotion? Or even intimidation or, or displeasure. Right. Because, I mean, we've all been in art museums and looked at a painting and went, ah, I don't really like that. Right. Or, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable, mm. you know? And, and I think... That. And the media, and then and the moment that it makes you uncomfortable proves that it's art. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to back up just for a hot second because you said, um, you said, displeasure. Was that the word you just used? Like, like yeah. something. Yeah. So, like, is there a specific dish that you can think of in the history of this restaurant that was, you know, intentionally meant to sort of evoke the potential uncomfortableness? Let's use that. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think there probably is two good examples, one involving a piece of serviceware okay. that we custom collaborated with, with Martin Kastner at Crucial Detail, and it was called the Antenna, and it was a skewer that was elevated 14 inches off the table, pointed right at your face, Right. and the idea was that you would lean in, take the food off the end of it, it was a one-bite thing, Without using your hands. Right. And it was kind of intimidating for people. Sure. Or, or they were so uh, embarrassed to do it. It had kind of a bit of a yeah, sexual connotation. I was going to say, there, it, it could go many know? different ways with that, and, right? And so you would have guests that would refuse to do it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's some Michelin star stuff right there. Like, so, I feel like that doesn't... I can't even imagine that someone would do that. I guess maybe what is the like you're going to spill it on your your suit or your dress or, or something. Or, or I think more than that, very self conscious that they were they were in a room full of strangers right. and they were going to look silly. Right. So that, that's right? a great example. Yeah. That was what is it that you said there were two? And then the other one was um, a very challenging flavor combination. One bite where we froze mango puree on the anti griddle. We shaved uh, Bonito over it, and it had a pudding of black garlic and tamari. Oh. And people would just – and it was a, a lozenge that would melt on your, on your palate. Right. And because it had that strong Bonito, you know – Oceanic, you know that, smoky yeah, flavor, smoky right? Yeah, flavor. yeah. But yet people would think, well, it's mango, so it's supposed to be dessert. Mm. And then you have saltiness of the, of the soy – uh, they didn't, they, some people just didn't like it. Right. It confused them. But then you were also okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like that. I mean, I, I feel like I've had flavors like that. And then it's also I've made some really good friends in my restaurants. But now yours were intentional. Mine were just mistakes. <laughs> oh, come Mine's on. just like, here's a sardine when eucalyptus or whatever. And yeah. like, oh, yeah, no, that didn't work or whatever. And, right. uh, but I, I know the guests from that experience. And uh, like they've, they've been good friends for That's like awesome. 20 years. So like yeah. sometimes you can make a new friend exactly. with some bonito and mango and right. uh, black garlic uh, right. puree. Okay, everyone, it's another week of the NFL, and you know how we're getting down on uh, www.podcast1sportsnet.com, and on Twitter, the hashtag is SportsnetChallenge. Okay, so each week, uh, I am taking some games from the NFL schedule, and these are just straight pick-ems. This is for betonline.ag, and I'm going up against other podcast hosts so that you know, uh, if you follow my picks, someone could win $500 each week at the end of the season, it's $5,000 given out. Uh, All of this is getting uh, turned into charity. So hopefully I'm doing well on the scoreboard. I have not not seen how I did on these last week's games. You can follow us along at podcast1sportsnet.com. See how the other uh, Podcast One hosts are doing. See how I'm doing. Uh, And you can go to betonline.ag. And don't forget the promo code PODCAST1. You get 50% off on your sign-up bonus, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I want to just say thank you to you for a real quick. You're one of the few people we've had that, you know, we're a year into this podcast. I've spoken to some amazing chefs. Mm-hmm. You're our highest pedigree chef that we've had on the podcast. We've had Michelin thank star you. chefs, but not at your level. Um, but we worked together for a little bit of time, yep. right? At the French Laundry when yep. I was your intern. I was your, I mean, what do you call it? A comi? I was at your comi or somewhat? Or your, yeah. I was chopping vegetables for right. you <laughs> right. uh, and trying to make you happy, basically, yep. all, all in an effort to make uh, TK happy. Right. Um, and I learned a ton while I was there. Um, you were one of the, the people that sort of set me off on a path, but not just because we got to hang out a little bit. We actually foraged for mushrooms yeah. once together. Yep. Yep. And I remember sort of somewhat encountered like a paint, paint Ball game that was happening. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I don't, you remember this? Okay. I do. So, so I think my question is now, and this is one of those like weird flashbacks I had the other day. Um, was it a paintball game happening in the woods, or was it a forager trying to keep us off the path of the Chantrell? Oh, that's a good question. Ooh. We'll never know. We'll never know. But I feel like. I'm going to start going with uh, it's the forager protecting his spot. It's more romantic. Right? It is much more romantic. <laughs> and it's just like it's been, what, 15 years or something. But it just hit me like recently. So I think um, I'm going to just start going yeah, with that story. Still, I'm, I'm cool. With that. Um, but you were uh, an amazing like, you know, a mentor to me then. But even more so after we really weren't hanging out or, or communicating a lot. Right. When I started just hearing about all of the things you were doing. Um, and it started, it started when I finished at the French Laundry. We did this little trip to Hawaii, yep. which you so kindly documented in your memoir. Yep. Um, which, by the way, thank you, because that picture gives me tons of street cred. Isn't it great? It, it is also amazing, because <laughs> like, I'm a little thinner. Like, you know, it's, it's also a lot of, a lot of weird uh, yeah. things about it. We have the, the lays on, and like, yep. it was an amazing time for me. But I remember that night we did that dinner, and for me as a young cook, that was an amazing experience, just being locked away in a basement making you know, gnocchi for a thousand people or whatever it right. was. Um, but we got to hang out like socially, which was very rare, for like a couple minutes. And I remember like being on a balcony, staring at the Pacific Ocean with you. And just in a moment, you were like, I want to do something different in you. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting goosebumps again talking about it because this was well before you went out on your own. Right. And this was when, in a good way, everyone around me was a French laundry robot. Every, yeah. Everyone's in a blue apron and yeah. you have, everyone loves Bermonte and that's, there's only one way. This is law. This is God's commands and this is how we do things. Yep. And you were sitting there on the balcony telling me, 
no, I want to. And I remember it was like, no, butter sauces. I want to do things that aren't butter sauces and this and that. And I was, for a moment, I was like, he's gone crazy. Yeah. That would have been mad. That would have been in like. That's 96. 96, Yeah, yeah. like 96 or not. Yeah. And. I think that's important for me because like everyone knows where you went and we're not going to get through the origin but like to know that you had even then probably before you could have even imagined what mm-hmm. a linea would be oh yeah but to have that sort of vision to be like this is the best in the world and I want to do something a little bit different yeah how does that like I mean just hearing about that like I mean obviously you're like yeah no that's how I was <laughs> no I mean I think people ask all the time you know, they ask chefs, where does it come from? And they have that romantic notion that you wake up at four in the morning with that light bulb moment and you scribble something down in your nightstand and you go back to bed. I think it, it's woven into who we are when we're born. And if you're lucky enough, you have people along the way that encourage you and help you fully fulfill that that notion of curiosity of risk taking that sort of thing right and i think we've both been very lucky to have that and I, you know it's just part of who we are did you ever just say like like hey i just want to be the best chef in the world like something like did you ever just have like even just internally in your mind just be like yeah no i just want to be the best yeah i think when i after a bit of a very short amount of time at the french laundry that was I would verbally say that to, say, Mark Hopper or sure. somebody, you know, Eric Ziebold or whomever. And a lot of times that's met with a roll of the eyes and uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I just always kept, kept thinking that. Right. And on opening day of Alinea, I wrote about this in the memoir, too. I said, you know, we're about to open the best restaurant in the country and hopefully at one point the world and if we don't do that it's a complete failure that's amazing because it's i i feel like because you believe it i mean what's amazing to me is that you believe it like i i hear that and feel that as like a rallying cry Uh um you know i don't know if i would be as bold to say best anywhere but like we're gonna hey team we got to do this we're gonna be great right but i feel like that's like you believe it like it's obvious like you're down there right now doing prep as I walked into the kitchen. Right. Um, it, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's a never-ending sort of goal. It, it never ends. So this is, leads me to this. You're one of the world's best chefs, right? Um, you're the Michael Jordan of uh, American chefs. Oh, well, I don't know. About uh, as far as like success, not the gambling <laughs> okay. and all of that sort of part of it. <laughs> oh, I do like gambling. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So you, so you are the Michael Jordan of chefs. Um, how do you like, because everyone wants to talk to you about food and creativity, yeah. but how do you release the pressure of like being one of having to be one of the best. That is my probably biggest flaw. Oh, okay. Um, because here we are. Alinea has been open thirteen years, and I think it would be real easy for someone in my position to go, "Okay, we're still completely full every night. Mm-hmm. We have now, you know, the Aviary Cocktail Bar. That's one accolades. We have next. We have Royster. We opened in New York." Can I take a step back? Right. You know, haven't I, haven't I ran through the finish line already? And then how do I not work 16 hours a day? Right. I shouldn't have to do that anymore. You, no, you shouldn't. I but mean, I, just but me to you. Right. But, but I do. But you do have to. Yeah. Me, meaning that if um, on the – and again, you travel a ton. So there are the – and I just, by the way, followed your most epic journey through seemingly Europe. But it was <laughs> Spain mostly. It was Spain, yeah. Um, 
And like, so you, you had some time to at least eat up all these amazing meals. Right. Is that the art? So is that the release? Just being then the diner? Like you I never mean, really are outside of the world of like great food? That's correct. And I Ooh, think that is, that's, it's hard to be in that bubble all the time. Because even when we're eating at amazing restaurants like Disfrutar and Barcelona and Enigma. And I mean, there's countless awesome meals that I've had over the years. There's an inkling of work there still. Of course. You know. Well, I mean, I always say to, like, especially young cooks who are trying to get stages or they're trying to work in different places, you know, hey, don't undervalue the idea of just eating somewhere. And like, I, you don't necessarily need to see how the sausage is made all the time right. to understand how the sausage might have been made. And, yeah, I, I was talking to somebody this morning about that very thing. I don't have an outlet. I don't have, you know, a way to, to burst out of that bubble, like... You become an avid runner. Right. You know, my business partner is an avid golfer. Oh, so he spends no time around here. <laughs> no, he <doesn't. laughs> I know, I know Nicky does. You know, but. a couple of the guys in the kitchen um, like to hike a lot or bike. Right. I don't have a hobby. Oh, my gosh. Which is Dude. probably not very good for you. Well, I mean, I'm going to go turn back the clock. I remember these moments. Like, again, I remember almost all of our moments from the French Laundry. Like, you cycled a little. Like I said, we foraged a bit. So you yeah. have these things. Like, you were always, you're, you're obviously in shape and fit. I became a, a huge gym rat, muscle head at right. the French Laundry. And then once I moved to Chicago, it was just all about work. Right. I, wanted, I, I was fearful of doing anything other than cooking or reading about cooking or building this place. Right. You know? Um, but then even with that being said, so then maybe it's, maybe it's becoming a restaurateur. Maybe you just, that's your, like, because I mean, you are, have, you have these other concepts, which yeah. by the way, Royster, I say all the time to, you know, whatever media asks me is probably my favorite restaurant in America. Awesome. Right. I mean, for as, as great as Alinea is and next sure. and all of the things you do, there's just something about Royster that just was like nail, meat, hammer, meat head, just boom, right there. Is, um, does that, is that maybe a little bit of the pressure relief when you have all these other uh, concepts and other ways to at least get some of that creativity I, I out of your head? I feel like I have to be in every one of those places at the same time. Okay. And Ooh, my God, dude. I know. So well, like, yeah. when, you, when, you, when I'm here, I, I feel a bit of guilt for not being down the street at next or whatever. It's not, it's not very good. No. Good personality. <laughs> right. So, that, um, so growth is not necessarily the um, solution. No. It's, or the remedy to it's, that. It's, it's not. It, it actually adds to, the, it adds to it. Yeah. So, we got, so basically, for all of our listeners, we have to find you some sort of hobby to yeah, start to convince. Yeah, Now, I'm sure a lot of your staff, though, because like you mentioned hiking. So like mm-hmm. I live in Southern California right now, and like we obviously lived in Northern California for a while. Yeah. And like, hiking is one of those things where like you can sort of play it as like, oh, it's, it's foraging, right? Like, right. I mean, oh, like I'm out and I'm going to find some wild thing to eat. Right. Um, so maybe that's what we have to do. We have to find you something yeah. that's still connected to food. It's not going to be golf. It's a hidden hobby. I, right. can, I can lie to myself and say, well, I'm foraging. Right. Part of my work, but really, it's not. It's not. <laughs> that's, that's insane. So what about, okay, so conversely, that's the pressure that you can't get away from. Right. What about, so when you are out eating, and I know that you, you still are, some people might believe that you're just like Westworld, like this perfect um, AI that's been created that's just the best, best, best. But you like pizza, right? You like simple foods. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've, uh, together, I know we've eaten plenty of penne with butter sauce and yep. deli containers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, 
what, when you're going out to eat and, and in a casual way, not, okay. not, not the tasting menu straight away, how hard, is, how hard is that for you? Sometimes it's hard for me. So I can't imagine hard? that you don't get bombarded with extra courses and oh, yeah. unnecessary attention and uh, maybe uh, a, a, a local chef trying to overimpress. I, I think I learned a very valuable lesson from Chef Keller in that regard. Oh. Because I remember going out to a casual restaurant in San Francisco, mm-hmm. or we might be in London together just out of circumstance, and we would go out to lunch or dinner, and the front of the house person would come up to the table, and the very after the greet, he would hold out his hands put it gently on the table is in a firm like I'm being firm right now right and he would say we don't want to get force fed I'm not being rude I just we have something to do after lunch we have a dinner tonight please tell the chef to take it easy on us and for the most part it works right um, so it might cut back 10 gifts to two gifts exactly okay got yeah. it and even that is is manageable that is because um, it's also like then you start feeling guilty just like I mean I'm talking about from the physical part of it where right. it's like I have to now take a bite or two of everything that's in front of me or exactly. else that's incredibly rude because we're in the hospitality business right and we, we know as chefs that that other chef that's in the kitchen is probably looking at the plates coming back and going, why didn't they eat that? Why didn't they eat that? Right. Oh, you've caused mass panic. Yeah, right. Right. If you haven't cleared your plate, you're causing mass panic. Right. Um, Do you have to, I'm being serious, like, do you have to, like, incognito any of your... I don't do that. I mean, if I I feel like, I don't eat out that much. Because you're... people, people in the media or whatever will ask me, like, what are your favorite restaurants in Chicago? And I'm like, I never go out in Chicago because if I'm in Chicago, I'm at one of my places. Yes. Yeah. That makes total sense, which is kind of what you want. Right. So like New York or in Spain or London or California, like I've been making a few trips to L.A. and eating around there. So I have a little bit of balance in that regard where if I'm home, I'm cooking at home. Right. Cooking for my my boys and my fiance or something like that. I've eat pretty heavily when I travel. Are your um, kids tough critics? No, they're, they're in that teenage stage of being incredibly picky about food. Oh, okay. Right. Um, so, and, they're the, and they're probably, as I know with my kids, the, f- uh, the, the few people that can kind of get away with telling you they don't like something or... Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, they, they've been pretty harsh. Like, they've eaten at Alinea a few times. They, they actually love Royster because it probably is... A bit more casual for them. And, right. and I'm also drawing the connection there that I'm a little bit more of a teenage boy, but that's, <laughs> that, that's fine. That works for me. But yeah, they, we've been out together, and, or if I cook for them, and they, they're, they can be brutally honest. Right. Yeah, which is great. Um, do you find it tough, tough sometimes to cook at home? Tough Me- to cook at home. Yeah, meaning like, uh, do you feel like, uh, or is it easy, be- or is it really easy because you're just like, there's the rules here are simple. Just make something that you're gonna that's gonna provide good sustenance, yeah, healthy there, and delicious. And- there is never a risk of preparing something that I or my fiance wouldn't like because I know our tastes Got it. so well. Okay. So that, yeah, that so that's easy. What about simple. time? It's very simple. What about when you're cooking at home? Because like I mean, here again, what what a lot of people and a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, they're just starting in the industry, or they, you know, they don't even know the inner workings of it. Okay, mise en place. Yeah, is a massive thing at a restaurant like Alinea. Yep, there are items here that have been 
being prepared for days and months and probably years, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When you're home, not necessarily the case. Or are you coming home with the deli container of mango and black garlic puree and and, and you're putting that on a chicken breast and all of a sudden, boom. No, what what we end up doing is we – like on a Monday or Tuesday when the restaurants are closed or used to be closed. Now we're open seven days here at Alinea. Um, We go to the Whole Foods or the market, buy a bunch of product, spend the day preparing mise en place, right. literally in deli containers, sauteed mushrooms, right. homemade salsa. This is at home? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you, you, are, you are the micro... You're, dude, you're in, you're in tech. That's amazing. <laughs> but then that way when we come home at one in the morning... Now we're just basically reheating, and we, we kind of have taken the philosophy of a restaurant, prepared mise en place at home that makes it con- convenient for us to come home late at night after a 14-hour day and have a good meal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the convenience of like working like a restaurant chef at home is yeah. incredibly valuable. A lot yeah. of people, I, I get that a lot when I'm you know, on the road sort of peddling technology or like sous vide is a great example Uh it's like no 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 it's listen for a second it's not harder right it's just the work's happening in the beginning right and it's actually going to make it a lot easier for you yeah right a lot easier um but it's hard to sometimes drive that home you talked about how tough it is for you to release Mm -hmm. um what about your team and your your cooks specifically uh and maybe not even release the fact that not everyone is grand atkins right okay not everyone is or, or maybe you have to be required to have uh, you know 113 <laughs> percent commitment here which is probably the case um but like understanding what else they have going on in their lives does that come into play at all here or is everything i guess what i'm saying is if i have a staff member who i know is and maybe it's more important for the front of it's it maybe it is better for the front of the house to get into this but like i know that someone's a photographer okay. it helps me connect with them a little bit more and maybe okay. put them on the right station or just know a little bit more about them or, or is, is that not come into play well i think a, a lot of things have happened recently that have helped in that way mm-hmm. um one of them most of our restaurants are seven days a week now Okay. We're very lucky to have so much demand that we said, hey, here's an idea. Let's go seven everywhere. Um, and when we do that, most people would go, oh, well, we're going to be working more. It's going to be terrible. But what we did is we sent out a survey. And we said... If Internal you, survey. Yep. Yeah. If you could work the dream schedule at Alinea, what would it be? Right. And some people said... I want Saturday, Sunday off. Some people said I want to keep Monday, Tuesday off because I have a soccer league or whatever it may be. Right. So we were able to implement that, which I think is incredible. Nice. Well, also what's amazing about that is like you're also saying, hey, there's no – like don't be afraid here to say that like you play soccer on Saturday morning and that's somewhat important to you. Right. And then quite honestly, I would say a vast majority of of the teams – I spy on via social media, <laughs> and, and I'm able I'm able to know that uh, one of our our tenured front of the house, Bo, is an avid avid fisherman. Right, and so I'm like, hey, my my 16 year old is also really into fishing. Maybe sometime we should all go out together. Fishing. Right. So there is that opportunity to get to know them on a more 
personal level. Um, I love that you do that because, I mean, you, usually the employer says, I, I watch them on social media and I realize that they were partying Friday night right. and they called in sick yeah, on Saturday. Right. <laughs> but yours is using it in, in the positive way of sort of like finding yeah. out what some of these interests are. Yeah. Um, we should all do a little bit more of that. I, um, it's helpful, I mean, I think, just enga- in, engaging, right? And that's yeah. something that you can do on your, on your own time. Yeah. Okay, guys, uh, listen, you know that I've been filled with anxiety. I just got done running this marathon. I'm on a plane every other day. I'm always wrapped up in some new project. I'm, 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 I'm talking about food and lifestyle and health and wellness. Well, you know what's all about uh, a big topic in health and wellness right now is CBD. And I was uh, um, uh, lucky enough to get gifted some of these um, CBD oils from Feels. Uh, Feels is this amazing uh, company right now, uh, and it's got me feeling uh, the best probably that I've ever felt. I just got done running this marathon, uh, lots of anxiety wrapped in, up in there, uh, but Feels has me uh, sort of re- relaxing in a good way. It's got me sort of meditating better. It's got me sort of just absorbing life um, a little bit better uh, than I was even up as soon as uh, most recently, like three weeks ago. So Feels has got me feeling my best every day and can help you too. Uh, you want to do this. You want to become a member today by going to feels.com slash starving, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash starving to become a member and get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash starving. Uh, and you know what? The kind of amazing part about this is, you know, when we get to read ads on this podcast is, you know, um, you read a couple, maybe you get the product, uh, then you start using it. And when you run out of the sample, if you want more of the product or you think the product's that great, that's for me how I know it's a super, super win-win. That's what's going on right now with feels. Uh, I need to get some more in the arsenal because it does. I, I'm, I'm a dude that uh, has a lot of sleepless nights. I'm a dude that is filled with anxiety. You can even see it when I'm cooking on TV sometimes. Uh, and um, feels has got me relaxing and uh, sleeping through the night. So go do what you got to do. Uh, again, you get 50% off. That's feels.com slash starving. And that'll be taken off when you check out. Go get it. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Now, you, I feel like, have ramped up your own social media work recently. Like, even on these, these, these stories. Uh-huh. Like, what, to me, what I really loved about following those specific stories uh-huh. were, like, there was a side of you that was like, oh, I'm also, like, a real, I'm a fan. Right. Like, I'm also just a really a fan of other great chefs and food. Yeah. And, and I feel, you know, I feel like that's important. Like you're saying, for young culinarians or people that are interested in various things, it might be travel. It might be guests that come to the restaurant that are super into food and foodies that travel to eat. So I want to share that with them so that they can experience what I did. Yeah, I love that. Because, I mean, you get it. It would be easy to if if you don't know you or any of any chef sort of in your category Mm. to just be like, they're all just so super serious and so super. Right. Yeah. And so it's there's such rivalry. Right. That they don't. Or I think it used to kind of be like that. Oh, yeah. Before us or like when we were first started, I think it was much. And uh, there was more rivalry and there was more like, no, that guy. He sucks on the corner. Yep. We're much better. Don't yep. ever go to that restaurant. <laughs> right. they, they do things this like, um, no, It's gone true. away. You know what helped me fix that? And probably you too. I felt like when I went to Spain uh-huh. was when I truly saw that fraternal side of like 
oh, we kind of all are sharing ideas. Yeah. And uh, we don't care if that guy's a three Michelin star restaurant and I'm just grilling sardines on the beach here or whatever yeah. it is. The, the Spanish are awesome at that. And they still are. Yeah. What, what is, that's just, I mean, what, that's just DNA. That's just history. That's cultural, you know, history. Right? Because, um, and I say this as someone who's, because uh, I've done the DNA test, as someone who's part French. Okay. That's kind of the anti-French, uh, historically, the way like sure. the old school French guard came up. I, was, think, I think that's changing a bit now. I think it, well, it has to, yeah, right? Right. I mean, and that's a good, a good thing that we're in uh, just in general with, with the world. Um, do you ever have people that just send you... This is coming from my experience last night. Someone sent me an Instagram DM that was uh, telling me something that I should do, basically, on the podcast. Um, In a positive way? um, eh, You could take it either way. (laughs) They meant it in a good way. I have no problem with people. But what about creatively? Do you ever have anyone just trying to hit you up? Like someone you don't know. That's just like, I I dined at Alinea, and I had the antenna. I got a great idea for you. Oh, yeah. And how, and how do you... What are your thoughts on like the attempt to sort of outsource the uh, the creativity, or do you absorb I mean, it? Or? I, 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 we absorb it, and if it's something that we're inspired by or we think has validity, we certainly pursue it. We also get told on social media that we shouldn't do things or that things that we have done are terrible. Oh, um, the troll, the trolling, uh, uh, and the all troll, that of course. Stuff. But I'm assuming that you probably treat that the same way right at least you hear it out yeah right yeah of course we vet it you know and 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 like i think it was a few days ago we had a woodworker in georgia uh direct message me and sent me a photo of some of his stuff but it wasn't he makes furniture and, and and whatnot right but what was interesting about it is he had these beautiful like joints and wood bonds of different woods that were cut off in the process of making furniture. Right. And they were like geometric shapes and weird that you could hold in your hand. He was like, hey, I've been following you on Instagram. I like the way you guys think about serviceware and whatnot. I thought maybe I'll just send you some of these cutoffs. Right. And maybe you could find a way to use them because otherwise I would just get rid of them. Right. Which I thought was super cool. Yeah, no, I was, I was really, I was waiting. You had me in suspense yeah. there. Like, yeah. how are you going to treat that? Because, well, one, there's so many great things about that. There's sort of the nose to tail aspect of that right. from the woodworkers' point of view. Sure. Like, here, hey, I know this is good stuff. Right. Maybe someone can t- turn it into something, and if anyone can, you you could. The so, re- so those samples are on the way. Is what you're saying? Yeah. That's amazing. The repurposing of, of somebody else's art. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. That's uh, unreal. Um, do you ever worry about? And this is going back to, again, we, I've spent a couple of days in the Elbuli kitchen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone knows that that, for, for many of us, was also sort of like, you yeah. know, a mind explosion, light bulb going off yeah. and um, literally changed the world like a lot of great restaurants like yours do. Um, do you ever worry about the concept of jumping the shark? And this is, again, out of total respect for Albuli and everything, mm-hmm. um, and even this dish, I remember just on you know, social media, the time they did the, the glove, it was the glove, I believe. You yep. know the dish the I'm waving, talking about? The waving, waving glove, glove, right? Yep. And again, it's, it just goes back to our art versus crafts or food situation. I was like, right. that's kind of, I don't know how I feel about that. Right. Is it, is it, is it over? You know, has, it, has, it, has creativity reached a point where there's nothing else to do and now it's 
kind of Fonzie jumping the shark. Right. Do you have, do you, is that something that you have to worry about because you're so creative? No, I think we, we have a responsibility to worry about that. Oh, Dude, you're like flipping things on the. I love that. So like, I was like, oh no, they don't even have to think about it. You're like, it's actually like a core. Hundred percent. Like, okay. We have a lot of ideas that we have to edit. That for that very reason, you know. Oh, you should do the book that is like the unused ideas. Yeah, book. that would be fun. because I mean, again, knowing your process and that fact that you're a perfectionist, there's got to be you know, bookfuls. Yeah, a that, Bible's worth of like of almost ideas or almost, right. yeah, or bad ideas or bad <laughs> <laughs> or bad ideas. Okay, right. well, this is a perfect segue. Um, halfway through the podcast, uh, we like to play some games with our guests. Okay, are you down to sort of have a little fun? Sure. Okay, a- each game is kind of specific to who we're bringing on. So this game is going to be called Permission Granted. Oh wow! Or not granted. Okay. Right. Uh, and in this game, I am going to sort of play the role of uh, I'm on your R and D team. Okay. I'm like entry level, so there's like no context like with where I'm coming from. I'm just like you just brought me on. Okay. And like I'm just at a round table, which also another thing I love about your social media is that you a good idea is a good idea, and there's so many people on this team that are coming up with ideas. Yeah. And you showcase that as well. Yes. I just that's a sidebar, but just like there's the, the idea that like there's one great master mind that sits on top of a mountain and delivers recipes and Absolutely all of the ideas. Not. Yeah. And, and that wasn't even the case with TK. Right. Like I remember, you know, Brunoising in that back room and then, you know, looking over the shoulder and like, oh, mom and dad and big brothers and big sisters are all coming up with great ideas over there at right. the end of the night when you guys would come up with your menus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of what we're doing here. Are you down? So you're going to yep. per- permission granted or not granted. Okay. And I'm your sort of like entry level R&D chef hoping okay. to uh, impress you. All right. Here we go. Um, I want to come up with this idea. It's a course that we're going to do. It's presented entirely in virtual reality. And each guest is going to get a helmet that is going to also produce aromas. They're not going to actually be eating physically, but aroma is going to give them the sort of sense of flavor. And uh, it's going to be all in virtual reality. And it's, it's, it's a course. Not granted. Not granted. No. Surprise off the bat. Okay. So any... Reason why, chef? Should I? Should I? Do I need to rethink this? Is, is where, where's the major flaw? In I the- mean, I, I think that would be a perfect ins- installment installation in a museum. Yes, but not in a restaurant. Not not this restaurant. I love that. Okay, yeah. so um, do you think that uh, uh, the board museum is getting overused nowadays? Oh, you don't you don't get out. I forget. You're like always in the kitchen. But like there's recently there's like the ice cream museum. Really right. what it is is a place to take selfies and you jump in a pool of sprinkles. Right, right. And maybe you eat one ice cream cone that's like black vanilla ice cream or whatever. Right. But you, you can consider, I mean, can you consider some restaurants museums at all or no? Or is that like that's, that's, that's where the line is? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. No. Okay. Are we calling the, are we calling that dish to Heston Blumenthal or are we not, are we not even... No, because at the end of the day, I feel like even some of those techniques that were that were uh, founded at the Fat Duck or El Bulli or here even, they were all, there was a component of consumption. And that physiology of taking foodstuffs into your body has to be there. Okay. Yeah. Done. That's why it's not granted. Okay, next one. Now I'm worried you're not going to grant any of these. <laughs> any of them? You're not going to grant any of these because uh, they get weirder. Okay. Well. Uh, okay, here one. This one is a ripe peach on a plate. That's all it is. Just that. Very simple. Very uh, maybe even, could I say, Alice Waters. And it's 
presentation. Uh, but before it arrives, the guests get to watch a time-lapse video of that peach tree the peach came from, showing that it fell naturally off of the branches. Oh, granted, for sure. Wow. That would be... If the peach was perfectly ripe and delicious, right. I think that would be And like very, fell very off cool. the tree, and very then you cool. could document that. Now, so the sidebar there is, I know that you have so many resources now, and you, like you said, you have all these artisans and, mm-hmm. and, and creative minds and people that want to collaborate with you. If, if that idea comes to the table, like, do you send someone out to do it, or is that more where the videographer says, listen, I'm doing a lot of time-lapse stuff, and yep. I'm working on this farm, and this is an idea? I, we're at, it's funny you mentioned that particular example because we, um, as of last month, are working with projection and videographers. We didn't have that idea, right? but we want to try to incorporate more of that virtual imagery sure. into the experience. Nice. So even though we're back to the virtual reality thing. It's just that there's no consumption. You're not necessarily against the fact that you're in a helmet. (laughs) The helmet might be a little rough. Like if we were projecting that on the wall Mm, or the table or something. So you're you're leaning more towards augmented reality perhaps. Okay, got it. Yeah, Yeah, if people aren't going to like – if they don't want to eat off an antenna, they might not want to wear a helmet. They're not going to want to put on Fair enough. That makes sense. Okay, this one I think I know. Um, But again, this is not me. I'm playing the role of one of your people. I just don't want you to think that this is like my idea. Um, None of them are. Uh, Okay, your barista – Wants to come up with an idea. Let's do coffee enemas, chef. We're going to do coffee enemas. It's a thing. There's ingestion. There's some sort of consumption happening. (laughs) (laughs) Not granted. Not granted. Okay. Not granted. Not here. Not for this time. Yep. Um, okay, that that one was the one I I knew for sure. Yeah, you, you probably yeah. weren't going to go. All right, Chef. Uh, listen, I want to do this Willy Wonka edible wall, including developing the actual taste of snozberries. Can there be a maybe granted? Yeah, sure. I think there can be. Um, Come back to the table. So, like, yeah. so okay. So, in this situation, where do you? It's maybe granted. So, like, what work do I have to do now to come back to you in two weeks' time to sort of try and get a green light? I think we have to write a laundry list of, you know, being sanitary, how it works, how we move people, right? How, you know, all of that sort of thing. But we've toyed with putting things on the walls and having people eat off it, right? If we we edited that out, yeah. Because we could never quite figure it out, but I mean, it's it's in the book of ideas that have been sort of floated floated through the system. Currently, I mean, we're pulling paintings off the ceiling, putting them on the table, and making people eat off them. Right, it's possible. Yeah. Oh, I love see, like I love that you've just broken all those rules too. Like, what's a plate? Right. Like, why does it have to be ceramic or or like whatever it is? Um, I like that. The sidebar here is: Do you ever personally just get over the whole like? He's the Willy Wonka of this. He's right. I mean, does it get old? Yeah, you have to. You know, I I just yes. Okay, but there's nothing you can do. The only proactive step you can do to prevent that, and this happened with molecular gastronomy, that that term in the media, is you have to somehow project your own Mm. name Mm. or boundaries or. You know, style or genre of, of exactly. What it is, I was know? as a you know a kid who grew up in the mid '90s in New York City and loves hip hop music. Y- if you don't want them to say rap music, you got to come up with the term hip hop, right? Right. That so, like, you've done that sense. with progressive American cuisine, correct? Right. And some people have done it with modernist cuisine, whatever right. you want to call it. But right. you, you can't say, as someone else who gets labeled a molecular gastronomist, you just can't say I don't like that, right? Without giving them the alternative, exactly. What to call it? I love right. that. Okay, here we go. Uh, Looking for the next permission granted. Um, all right, this is for next. 
Okay. So we're kind of, I don't know if you let people try and come up with ideas from different restaurants or if they stay in their lanes, which is a oh, no. more we're, of a business question I have for you. We're, we're pretty Okay. Group so you could creative. be working the fryer at Royster and yeah. send you an email for something that should be done at Alinea, technically. That yeah, could happen. absolutely. Love that. Love that. Good ideas are good ideas. Okay. Uh, I want to do a Jurassic menu, chef. I want to go straight Jurassic on this. It's going to entail perhaps a little, you know, a little Jurassic Park sort of stuff. Like we're going to have to maybe figure out like what plants we're actually growing. And um, so we're having Chris Pratt. Is exactly. <laughs> we might have to go Pratt. We might have to, you know, um, you know, get some dino DNA here. But like I had this sort of dream. What if we went Jurassic? What if we just turned back time so far that people weren't even really around? Granted. Yes, dude. I think, yes. I think that would be – there's the opportunity there to be super cool. That's amazing because one of my um, – uh, you know how when you're done with your like internship, you I don't know if you remember from culinary school that you mm-hmm. have to like write a, basically like an essay like yeah. my summer vacation right. was – I worked with Grant Ackett's and I did all of his brunoise for right. six months. Here it is. Um, mine was I wrote in my culinary school paper like when I left the French laundry that you could throw a pterodactyl wing at me and at least I'd know how to braise it. Okay. Like, that was my big thing. Like, it doesn't, like, just toss me anything. I'll right. know how to cook it. Right. Like, a mission accomplished. I'm a chef. Yeah. Pretty that much. Makes sense. Um, okay, so you're, you're in for that. I was, I was potentially guessing you were going to say no to that. Okay. Uh, so I had a follow up. This is also for, for next. Um, and this is, I want to do a hunter gatherer menu. So, like, we've gone past the Jurassic era now. Now we're, there's people, there's hunters gatherers, and I want to sort of, have the guest make a choice right off the bat, hunter or gatherer, and that they're going to split up based on their decision. The hunters are going to go do their thing, which is basically a room we're going to – I mean, this is all, you know, we're yeah. going to make this happen. It's a room where you're going to spear a fish, maybe catch a chicken. Oh, themselves. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. This is like interactive stuff. And the gatherers are going to have to identify berries and plants, and uh, there might be some nightlock in those berries and plants. This is a, <laughs> it's a movie called Hunger Games, by the way, which right. is a poisonous berry. So hunter, I want to go hunter-gatherer. Not granted. Not granted. Two, uh, is this because of uh, legal? You have to get legal yeah, involved here. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> this is right. So uh, the, the weird thing here is like I, no one can see your face, but you're really <laughs> thinking through. You're thinking through this. Yeah. And um, it's not a financial issue. I think it really came down to sort of the legality of having someone spear their own fish. Or their own foot. Right. Or their own foot. Yeah. See, like, see, like now so you're, 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 you're a wise businessman uh, more so than, than myself. So I, I guess we're not going to do the Oregon trail menu no. either we're gonna okay to keep away from the d- dysentery all right this is a real one something that we've been talking about a little bit on the pod and something i've been kind of obsessed with on things that are absolutely happening in the food world um and i guess this would be maybe an offshoot of a linea maybe it's a pop-up sort of thing or okay. maybe it's a special menu you're doing just for one night a week or something like that, or one day a year who knows okay. uh a menu entirely based off of someone's dna now that you can get all DNA data, meaning I have done uh, three mm. different tests where I have basically, you know, where I'm from in the world. Yep. You know, I'm 43% British and 13% Norwegian and I'm, you know, 8% Polish. And this is my DNA is history. Here's some of my family background. I had a chemist. I had a butcher uh, in my family, all of these things. Also, I can now break down with my DNA. I have an aversion to chocolate. I shouldn't have, uh, you know, carbs. All of these things now are available for someone to just click and send in a, a sample of, you know, a, a mouth swab. Uh, creating a menu so individual for a specific person. Granted, in the future. Oh, I like that. Okay. 
Um, because we're we're doing that already, right? Inadvertently, there, okay. There, there's profiling, um, you, you know, through mm. geography, right? Knowing what people in certain parts of the world like, how they like food seasoned, but with with the swabs and the the allergens and the the way the body processes food, if I showed you the reservation list for tonight, right? Um, you, I think you would be surprised at how many dietary restrictions that we that we do. I'm 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 not. I mean, I'm yeah. I am surprised at how you guys just like in the in the true sense of hospitality yeah. embrace that sort of thing. So because you have every right as a superstar best chef in the world to be like, this is how we do it. No right. substitutions allowed. Right. Sort of thing. So guests are kind of going that way already, and it. We're watching it bump up and up and up and up. It, okay. It's right. So basically crazy. what you're saying is whether it's DNA or just you know, access to data yeah. online, yeah. that you're getting more people that are they're giving celiac. Us, they're um, giving us their, their fingerprint at the time of reservation, and we're saying, okay, we will accommodate all of those things. Like, I know you're not allergic to water. Right. But somebody might say no water. Now, that's an extreme. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Has someone then, ever said that? Now I'm just curious. Not water. Okay. All but, right. You know. Right. So that, I think that's where we're headed. Right. Well, I just love though, again, this goes like, hey, we, it's still hospitality. Even at the three-star level, yeah. it's hospitality. Right. right? Um, and at the end of the day, we just want to make people happy. Right. Like there's a threshold of like how much you can say and do, but you're also getting right. it all ahead of time, which is a big help. Right. I mean. It's a necessity. It's a necessity. How, yeah. how far ahead do, the, do, do you need all of that data? I, at, at least a week prior. Got it. But uh, people book so far in advance that we get it, you know, a month or two. Um, I was curious, like you had said something that I, again, I, I in a flashback of working in kitchens in Europe where, I mean, here actually it's probably the exact same. Your clientele is so international, right? Like uh-huh. your clientele here is international. Right. right. And when you start saying things like, oh, okay, well, the, the Spanish eat salty food or, or right. things like that. Um, I'm curious to get into that a little bit. Like where is that just a, you just take a general sort of like, oh, these people are French, these people are Spanish, this is a Japanese table. Um, you, you can have kind of general broad strokes. Right. Also very interesting being in Spain two weeks ago, um, the lack of dietary restrictions that mm. the restaurants have or the lack of accommodating them. Like if you... You know, I traveled with people then that had serious, like, shellfish allergies. Right. And rather than substitute, I don't know, a piece of poussin, if it was a langoustine, they would just say, you're forfeiting that course. Right. And these are, like, big tasting restaurants. So, also, like, forfeiting the course. Like there's no you're no substitution. Nothing down in front there's of you. There's no ratatouille cornet coming. Nope. Everybody, <laughs> everybody else is eating, and you're just sitting there with nothing. Right. And you know, it's that to me is interesting. How culturally, you know, uh, it's just not. And when we did the pop up in Madrid, it was the same way. Right. We had far less uh, requests for substitutions and restrictions. Right. Yeah. That being said, you know, to go take the 30-minute smoke break during the meal is probably okay. Correct. Uh, <laughs> right. I right. mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are just right. um, sort of cultural. 20% time. Do you understand, like, the, the whole, like, 
startup tech space where like Google gives their team 20% time to sort of like work on whatever they want? How yep. much did like do you I'm, I'm going to guess you have some sort of like like in some of these ideas where you're like maybe right. like then, does then that that chef get the opportunity to spend a little bit of their time working on that project? Or does it all have to happen on their own time? Or is there a way to sort of get someone, hey, my station's set up, everything's done, which I know is probably incredibly rare. Yeah, never. I've heard stories. Um, <laughs> certain people. Right. You know, Chef Jenner at Next, I mean, it's part of his job right. to do that um, three times a year. Yeah, right? I follow Jenner's dog on Instagram. I oh, wow. Be, I just want to be clear. Like, Jenner has <laughs> yeah. a beautiful dog. Okay. Uh, um, but... You always come up against uh, production quelling the opportunity to be creative. Right. So Chef Davies down there right now, you know, I'm sure he would love to spend his entire day in the prep kitchen working on new ideas. But, it, but it, he can't because we have 125 guests coming in tonight. He himself is over a cutting board prepping mise en place for today right and making sure everyone else knows what they're doing got it so it's that weird balance between success and having a busy restaurant and being creative mm. if that makes sense. yeah so is there no um like physical lab space there is not here and that's then obviously by intent yeah like we just yeah we never did it um I feel like some of it is uh, if you're forced to go into a room to then be creative, and I feel like you might believe in the same way, that takes away from the natural sort of like switch moment. I agree. Right? Yeah. And I feel, I feel like you can come up with better ideas when you are just looking at that fish carcass yeah. or playing with that vegetable and you realize, oh, that yeah, broccoli have leaves, you know, right. or whatever it is. I think I uh, sometimes the creativity doesn't come from like a mad science place. So, like right. you're not just blowing two things up in a room. Right, no. It's more like looking at food. And, it's very and rarely that, right? Very, I, I think so. Yeah. I think that's when, and that's when you always, when it always comes to like, well, you know, is it food? Yeah, it's food. Like yeah. we didn't just like sit in a room and say, what's the craziest thing we can do right now? No, I mean, get we, helmets. Have, we have done that. Oh, Okay. Well, that's another way to look at it. So yeah. you have you have had brainstorm sessions where you're just like, listen, empty out your mind and just. I think the best example of that is how do we make food float? Right. I mean that's how it started, and you know Chef Mike, who recently left Alinea, you know, tackled that idea. Another, he's traveling the world right now from, yeah. from his Instagram pages. Yeah. Okay, got it. So you know it it can happen with the impossible. Yeah, you know, and, and you do, but you, then you have to. So uh, to make the floating uh, green apple balloon is what uh-huh. we're talking about, yep. which I've had mm-hmm. in Aspen, which is also incredible. Like you, you do that one on the road. Yeah, <laughs> like how hard how is that? On a, how about on a mountain top? Oh, right, or like I didn't even think about like uh, like so it's helium, right? I'm assuming, so like, how does that? How is that affected by like the whole elevation? Ra- and- everything had to be changed. So the, did you have to go out there ahead of time? And no, he figured it out when we were out there. Oh, wow. And it took a while. Okay, so you went out there with the recipe, basically. Yep. And then we're like, oh, wow. Moisture, it's different at 10,000 feet. Humidity, you know, how dry the air was, the temperature up on the top of the mountain, you know, the way people reacted to it. You know, we didn't, it never even crossed our mind, but right. think about it. When you inhale the helium... You're robbing your body of oxygen. Right. Well, what happens at 8,000 feet? You're already, You're already at, a, yeah. at a deficit. Sure. So people were getting like a little boozy. Nice. You know? Yeah, I had a great night. I had three of them. <laughs> right. 
That's it. How uh, you had mentioned like actual like we're getting into like numbers and metrics. And again, listening to the JJ Reddick podcast, which mm. I really loved, and I'm, I'm a fan of uh, uh, Mr. Reddick. We've had him in the restaurant too. I hope he didn't say anything bad about his experiences at our places. Um, <laughs> but like stats and data, uh-huh. like when we talked about sous vide, well, it really helps when you know that it's at sixty point two degrees or whatever it right. is Celsius. Um, is that everything like do you, is, like does everything have a number and like how how insane are you about like the specifics of like a temperature and something which again when we Very. when we first started that was that didn't even exist no you put your finger in the pot that's it dude like i mean there was <laughs> right there was there wasn't in like right. we weren't cooking on induction like i no. mean again we're sort of from the same yep. i'm older than you but from the same generation where it's like a circulator just showed up one day in the kitchen. Right. And you were like, I got this from some dude in Spain or England or whatever yep. it was. Yeah. Nitrogen just sort of like, it just then was there. Right. So like, are you guys like to the nth degree? To the gram, to the tenth of a degree, to even beyond that, um, our business team has figured out a way for the kitchen to be more effective by data. Oh, Okay. Which is interesting. Do tell a bit if you can. This is now uh, well. When you super think curious. about when you think about uh, food costs, labor costs, all of these things, you can take it down to. Uh, remember when we would run through the kitchen with a legal pad and say, "Okay, there's ten pounds of flour on the thirty first of the month." Right. Yeah. Now it, I'm still doing that, by the way. But okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, we're they're pouring over invoices. They're we have our food costs on a daily basis, right? Which is insane. Um, but and and but needed, like yeah. in a sound business these days. And needed. and even you know Nick has done an amazing job with talk, mm-hmm. getting all this data, surely no show rates, you know, pour throughs, and what people, how long people are spending in the chair at a restaurant, helping you create your template to maximize. Um, how many people you can do in a day. Right. So we've taken that data accumulation and processing to like kind of a, a crazy Which is amazing. So like real quick, level. real quick, talk about, let's talk about like the no-show rate. So like this right. isn't for an Alinea, I'm assuming it's more for like a Royster, let's say, right? Okay. Um, but now you know, 10% reservations don't show up. We right. can overbook by 10%. Right. right. I'm just trying to break it down for like sure. the average person is like, sure. why would you want to know that? Right. And, or we, and we also know the margin of error is 2% on that. Yep. So like leave one table over there. Right. And like we're good. And that, is that how it's kind of being used? Uh, I mean that basic example? That, that is absolutely part of it. But then the other thing is um, figuring out the, the matrix and figuring out the number that – so we have people put down a deposit. Right. right. Yeah. And you find that threshold through accumulating data. So, for instance, if you go to the aviary, it might be a $10 deposit ticket, which is not that much. Right. It's not even one cocktail at the aviary. Right. And that might not improve no-show rates. But if you raise it to 15 or 12.50 or whatever mm. it may be, so you're, you're, people uh, tend to show up. Are you, so you've played with that a few different times yeah. to try and figure out what that, that happy place is? Absolutely. Here's something that I've uh, been curious about. Again, I'm a massive sports fan. Mm-hmm. I would like to basically get the GPS data on all of my cooks, all, my whole staff, okay. and guests in a restaurant. Okay. And then start absorbing all of that data to like, okay, so you watch a soccer game and you know okay. at the end of the game and now you'll see these stats. The guy ran two miles I see. in this game and oh, look, this guy's in the walk-in 
He's been there 12 times. Like you might just know that because you're right. in your kitchen. But if you start looking at how many steps yeah. a cook takes, how many times they've spun around in a circle, uh, for movements. the front of the house, it might even be more applicable where like, oh, uh, host stand. You, know, you got your sous chef going to the – I mean, again, these are not your level of restaurant. <laughs> but hey, oh, my sous chef's going to the host stand a lot. There's some sort of crush happening right yeah. now. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and with the guest, I feel like even if it's just flow of traffic in a dining room. Sure. There's like we're, we're as, as advanced as you are and as, as serious as a, like our business is getting, um, there's still a lot of parts to this business that is like incredibly archaic, right? And inefficient. And inefficient, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there would be that would be interesting. You're probably encroaching on some privacy issues there, but right. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I mean, but there's a lot of restaurants that are doing geo tracking right yeah, now, right? Right. And um, so you kind of, if your phone is on, you right. know, there's also like those things that I mean, not, not, yeah. I don't want to get this into a, a cyber warfare sort right. of podcast, but if your phone's on, you know, there's a lot of just data that's just hanging out there. Yep. And um, you know, and and it's easy to collect that data for easy purposes of like, hey, we know that this person in our restaurant, they also follow Alinea. They also follow Grant Ackett's on right. Instagram. And or they've like, dined at so-and-so-and-so restaurant. That must mean they like X, Y, and Z. And Exactly. You know, it, so, it could be, yeah. It's a can of worms, but, uh, but you would be up for looking at the data, right? Because, oh, and it's not even, I mean, and all of these things with data is that you don't really go into it. Like what I'm talking about, like, oh, I want to know where my cooks go. That's not really what will come out of that data. Uh-huh. You look at the data, then you'll figure something out. Right, right. Um, that has nothing to do. Uh, and now, just because we're in this sort of like science mode, how do you feel about voice-activated technology? In- and, meaning, like, are we pretty? Because we are close, even in the home kitchen right now, to mm-hmm. being able to say, oven turn on to three hundred fifty uh, degrees, circulator go to this temperature, doors open, windows open. Um, and when it comes to labor and efficiency, do you think that voice activation is going to come into play in the, the restaurant world soon? I do. Nice. Uh, I, and, you know, we're working on technology right now. In fact, we had the, the team here that's working on it this morning before you arrived. Um, having, you know, this is nothing new in residential homes or businesses for that matter, but having everything controlled from one single iPad. Right. So we, like theaters, you know, they run different color lights that go to green to red to off, you know, to super bright based on what is happening on the stage. Right. Right. We're doing that here in the restaurant now to create different moods or to pair certain light colors with certain courses and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think any of that whether it is a creative implementation or uh, an efficiency is very much continuing to come into play. Nice. Well, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, if I can get you again, we'll do a part two okay. where, we only, where we bring in a bunch of robots and we I start like talking it. about those things. End of the podcast, uh, Chef Granak, it's, it's amazing to just hang out with you, dude. Like, Thank you're you. truly Likewise. a superhero. And not just to me. Like, I mean, to like, obviously, uh, there's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure being, being the best, and you uh, handle it with grace. Um, at the end of the podcast, we do this thing called 86. It's 86. Okay. One thing that you want to just get rid of. It could be something in your kitchen. It could be something in the world. It could be anything silly or serious. What is Grant Ackett's one to 86? Oh, wow. Uh, I will say that the, <laughs> the two most popular answers on the podcast have been Caesar salad and Donald Trump for some reason, and, and one Caesar salad and Donald Trump together. Um, you don't need to go anywhere there. There's been squeeze bottles. There's been tweezers. <laughs> um, there's been all sorts of things. All right. Well, if I can say anything, it would probably have to be cancer just because my personal 
Absolutely. My personal background. Well, 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 well said. And uh, um, of course, we would love to 86 cancer, yeah. wouldn't we? Yeah. Dude, you're amazing. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank and you. Uh, we'll do it again, I hope. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to Starving for Attention. Uh, and thank you to our sponsors uh, for today's show, uh, BetOnline.ag, Feels, Analon Home Cookware. And uh, yeah, go check out that new show, Autopsy, on PodcastOne.com.